You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Vanessa Diaz, back for episode 436.5. And today is the last Friday in October, and I'm feeling a way about it. October is my favorite month. It's the best month of the year. Don't at me. And not just because it's my birthday month, although that probably has something to do with it. It's just so dripping with fall. And I'm, again, just so surprised that I haven't turned into a pumpkin or an apple yet because I've been doing all of the falling all of it, including doing a lot of mood reading, which is a thing that I love to do. And you will be shocked, shocked, I tell you, to find out that today I'm not going to talk about a single witch book. I know, growth. It's mainly because all the witchy books I read were frontless and don't qualify for this podcast, but we're just going to conveniently gloss over that part. I'm about to tell you about three books that I love, a couple that I've read recently, and some that I read years ago that I just remembered and really can't wait to talk about because they're so much fun. And magically, again, don't have to do with witches, at least not a whole lot. Before I get into that, let's hear from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. The first book I am going to recommend is maybe a bit of a cheat because I don't know that it's uh, technically backlist, but look, it's been out for more than a year. It's in paperback. The author has other projects dropping, I think, this year, maybe next year. And look, it's Scorpio season. I'm doing what I want. <laughs> so anyway, that book is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. First of all, trigger warnings, racism, just all of it, racist bullying, racist slurs, also child abuse and violence. This is a bloody, gory book. It's a work of YA horror. I sometimes forgot it was YA, not that there's anything wrong with YA. I read lots of YA, but yeah, it's just that like, mm, good. So if you don't know about this book, it is inspired by Stephen King's Carrie, which is of course one of his most famous horror novels. It was adapted into a very famous movie starring Sissy Spacek. And I admit I was like slow to pick this book up for... I know how this story goes reasons, which is silly because retellings are one of my like favorite things to read. This isn't exactly a retelling. Again, it's more like an inspired by, but wow, how silly of me to have like forgotten that adaptations of work or books inspired by other books can just completely reimagine and refresh these concepts and do such brilliant things with them as Tiffany D. Jackson has done here. So if for any reason you two were holding out, because you're like, oh, yeah, I've done the Harry thing. No, this is ooh, chef's kiss in all the ways. So let me actually tell you about the book's plot. So the book is told in a format that I've really come to enjoy, where it alternates not only in the perspectives it's told from, but also reads like true crime. Because it weaves in, you know, podcast episodes and news reports and sworn testimony snippets to tell you a story kind of in reverse. So at the beginning of the book, we know due to one of these pieces of sworn testimony that there has been a horrible tragedy that it, it occurred on prom night, that it was bloody and that someone named Maddie did it. There is, of course, more to that story. Maddie is a teenager, Madison, Washington, in Springville, Georgia, which is this small town in the Bible Belt where racism is alive and well, but everyone pretends it isn't. When we first meet Maddie, she is panicking because she is in her first period gym class. There was not rain in the forecast, but it is about to rain. And that is a problem because Maddie is biracial, but has been passing as white because her father, her white father, who is fanatical and has... Ooh, all kinds of issues, forces her to pass, insists that she straighten her hair with a hot comb every Sunday. And it's like the one rule in the house is that she must protect this secret at all costs. And he's this you know, terrible, abusive man. And it's like so tragic. 
And so Maddie is freaking out because of what, you know, this means for her when those few droplets of water that, of course, turn into like a full-blown deluge immediately cause her very, you know, straightened, silky hair into its big, beautiful, natural texture. So now all her classmates know the thing that she's been trying to hide, which is that she is indeed biracial. She's black. Her classmates are absolute expletives about it from the second she walks into her very next class. And then a couple of things happen back to back, both involving this girl named Jules, who is the ringleader of this terrible group of girls who give Maddie all kinds of hell in just the most awful and insidious ways. She is caught on camera not once, but twice bullying Maddie. And that is just glossing over the details that I'm going to allow you to discover for yourself. But the incident is just (laughs) incident. So one is just even more cruel and terrible and draconian than the other. And this girl doesn't think it'll be a big deal because she's lived her entire life as this rich white kid in this town above reproach who's never met a consequence of any kind. Except when those videos go viral and the school is now the object of national attention for its racist roots, she's now starting to feel some of that heat and decides to turn her ire, of course, not on herself, but on other people, namely Maddie. To try to clean up the school's image, the class president named Wendy proposes that the school hold its first integrated prom. And let's say that together one more time. First integrated prom. When is this book set? The 60s? No, it's set in 2014. And so this is the first time they're doing the integrated prom. Of course, all the racist kids are like, no, it breaks with tradition. And it's not even about race, even though one of the proms is called the white prom and the other is called the black prom. But sure, tell me again how it's not about race. And then to like, I don't know, go a step further, Wendy also decides that she's going to ask her quarterback superstar boyfriend, who happens to be black, to take Maddie to the prom to do her a nice. And that is all I'm going to really say as far as the plot. You kind of know where this is going, at least you might if you're familiar with Carrie. Yes, there's going to be a prom and yes, there's going to be blood. But how we get there from the beginnings and the part of the story I've told you to that is just so brilliantly executed in a way that I did not understand or like see coming. I totally thought I knew the path the book was going towards and it did something completely different. It is this horrifying examination of racism from microaggressions to full-blown terror of internalized and externalized anti-blackness, of white saviorism and colorism and classism and identity politics. It's just... So brilliant and visceral. It had me power walking in a park with tears streaming down my face towards the end. I looked like I was going through a breakup, but no, it was just an excellent audiobook. The audiobook, by the way, is a full cast. So if you are an audiobook listener, that is definitely a great way to go for this book. But again, this is just social horror of the best kind, the kind that dares you to even try to look away and where no one gets off easy and where the horror In addition to, yes, the bloody gory parts is really the, like, everyday cruelty that humanity is capable of. It's just, oh, I cannot wait. I have never read Tiffany D. Jackson. I know, I know, failure on my part. I cannot wait to go back. I already downloaded White Smoke and, oh, just so many of her other books are absolutely in my future because this book totally blew me away. So that, once again, is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. My next pick is one that I actually talked about on the main show back in, I think, March or May of last year. At the time, it was a book I was excited to read but had not read yet. Now I have read it and I love it. So I will say the same thing that Liberty said back during that main show, which is this book is pitched as Mexican Gothic meets Rebecca. Yes, it's Mexican and yes, it's got Gothic stuff, but it's I think leans much more in the Rebecca Jane Eyre category of like suspenseful horror of that nature than like the kind you get with Mexican Gothic. I don't say that as a bad thing because I love this book. I just like to kind of reset expectations if that's helpful. 
This book is set in the aftermath of the Mexican War of Independence, which is a war that was not kind to our main character, Beatriz. Her family was... They went through it. Like, their family home was destroyed. Her father was executed. Beatriz and her mom are now left destitute, and they've been relying on some very unsympathetic family to survive, the kind that constantly reminds you how much of a favor they're doing you. Then Beatriz's luck appears to change when she is proposed to by this very wealthy man named Don Rodolfo Solorzano. And he he is a come up for our girl. Like, she's going to be marrying into wealth and will soon be La Señora de la Casa, you know, the lady of the house, to Don Rodolfo's hacienda in the countryside with a full staff and all the trappings of an upper class life. There are some pesky rumors about the demise of Don Rodolfo's last wife, but Beatriz is choosing to ignore those because... Look, she is desperate for safety, for security, for not only for her, but her mother, who she promises to take care of. And so she packs up her bags and moves to Hacienda San Isidro. Things are kind of weird from the jump. Rodolfo's sister is really icy, like borderline rude to Beatriz. The staff all seem kind of wary of her and do things like burning, you know, copal incense like at the doors. And they refuse to enter the house at night, which is, yeah, a really great sign. And then there's that sensation that Beatriz cannot shake of just constantly being watched by some kind of unseen but definitely felt force that is not of a uh, virtuous nature. That feeling intensifies when Don Rodolfo leaves for long stretches of time to go work in the capital. And so she's starting to feel the house's energy shift to become more and more wicked, to see things that can't be real and hear voices. She sees no other recourse than to reach out to a local priest. So she invites him to come see the house and help cast out whatever evil has taken root there. But the priest is hiding the fact that he actually practices the art of witchcraft. So haha, witchcraft, it has made it into this show. Um, so he could be of help to her given, you know, the art that he practices. But even he might not be powerful enough to fight the forces that work inside the walls of Hacienda Isidro. Again, this is definitely horror. Like there's goings on in the house, that constant sense of unease and tension and dread, the gaslighting in enough of itself is horrifying. Like it's a really great, creepy, like slow, creepy book in that way with, of course, some, you know, truly horrifying moments as well. But it is, I think, of a different flavor than something like Mexican Gothic. That being said, again, I loved this book so much. I love me a Gothic suspense book. And it's so nice that I get to read ones with Latina characters. I cannot wait to already, uh, I already downloaded, I should say, and cannot wait to read Cañas' latest, which is Vampiros del Norte. So yeah, vampires plus like Mexican stuff. Yeah, like I'm all about that life. So that again is The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas. And my last pick is one that I had so much fun reading years ago that when I kind of just randomly remembered it the other day, I immediately wrote it down to talk about on this podcast. And that is The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova. I bought this book at a friend's at the library sale without really knowing what I was getting into. Like it was one of those, oh, I like the cover and the back of the book, at least like the first few sentences, said something about a young woman, you know, discovering secrets about her family that are connected to this like age old evil. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good time. And I somehow completely missed until I started reading it a few weeks later that it's about Dracula. Many of you might know this, but for anyone who doesn't, the legend of what we know as Count Dracula is very much based on a real person. And that person is Vlad Dracula, whose um, actual name is Vlad III. He is the 15th or a 15th century ruler of Wallachia, he, which is a historical and geographical region in Romania. Vlad was a bad, bad man and not in a fun way. Like he is known as Vlad the Impaler. Guess why? He has not only impaled his victims often, like there's the story of him 
coming, you know, into battle or what have you with like the Saxons of which he was said to have killed something like 30,000 Saxons. And then he decided to dine among the impaled to witness their suffering. Like what in the Game of Thrones? I could go on for a long time because this book sent me on that rabbit hole, but the book itself is told in three parts and sort of mixes together the history and folklore surrounding that very real person, Vlad the Impaler, and then the character of Count Dracula. It's also told in epistolary fashion with like diary entries and I think maybe textbooks or like research documents and like newsletters. And it's the story of a young woman who in flashbacks to the 70s, I think, finds this mysterious book and collection of letters that upon further inspection reveal that her father and mother, who was either estranged and or like missing or deceased, I don't remember that detail, but that they used to have like a big portion of their life was dedicated to the research and tracking down of this age-old dark power. And that power is the very much still living Vlad the Impaler. So suspend a little bit of disbelief, but go on this ride because it is so much fun. It is twisty and turny and windy. It takes us on this adventure through monasteries and Ivy League libraries and archives. It is like armchair travel to all kinds of cities in Eastern Europe, Istanbul and Budapest. There's all kinds of like document interpretation and coding of cryptic text found in medieval art and literature. Like basically what I'm saying is this is Da Vinci Code. If you just like swap out Jesus and Mary Magdalene for Dracula, <laughs> if my mother could hear me now. But yeah, this feels like the kind of book that you could drop Robert Langdon in. Slightly different tone vibe, but it's like still that same like fun mix and mashing of like very real stuff with some made up stuff for just a fun time. I love this book. I kind of want to go back and read it. I've already read it twice, but again, I'm like moving into new territories with my spooky reading. It's not just witches. Now we're going to vampires and terrible people. <laughs> and I just remember having so much fun with this experience that it feels like a thing I, I might need to reread sometime soon. But that is all for me today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy these spooky season reads during this spooky season or year round. Thank you to our sponsor and to our audio editor, Jen Zink, for making me sound much better than I do before she applies her magic sauce. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all the podcasts we have to offer you at bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. As always, I will put the list of all the books I mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find by heading over to bookriot.com slash all the books. And lastly, don't forget to leave us a rating or review if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist. It really helps other book nerds to find us. So go ahead and drop that rating or review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you review podcasts because we want more people to listen to me talk about gothic stuff and vampires, right? Yep, I agree. That's it for me. Till next time, happy reading, happy spooky season, happy rest of your year, happy all of the things. 